Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Doing well? Got a new headset right here. It's right there. Can you see it? <laughs> if you can't, then we got to talk about opening your eyes a little bit there. It sounds good? Yeah. Well, I hope so because it's, it's, it's really pressing on my temples right now. So I feel like I need to be going like this, you know. I don't know. But anyway, all kidding aside, uh, this is new stuff that we had to get, and I'm glad we got it, and I'm glad it sounds good, and it's good to be in church, amen? Good to have you guys here. So uh, we are continuing our series called Contagious, and uh, we've been uh, talking about what it means to be contagious for Jesus Christ. So I want to start with this little story. It's about a baby camel who asked his mother, why, why do we have... There's these big three-toed feet, Mom. And Mom said, well, to stay on soft sand and so that we can trek across the desert with no problems at all. Okay. Mom, why do we have these, like, long eyelashes? Well, Mama Camel says, well, to help sand out of our eyes. Because often in the desert, there are desert storms. And so we need to be able to make sure that the sand is out of our eyes. Okay. Mom, why do we have these, like, big, like, like humps on our back? Well, that's, that's to store water because when you're in the desert, you're going to need some water in these long journeys. And, and so our, ours do that. Wow, Mom, that's fantastic. So let me get this straight. Huge feet to stop us from sinking. Long eyelashes to stop the sand from going in our eyes. And uh, if I get this straight... Uh, big humps to store water for long journeys, correct? That's right, son. You learn really quick. Great, Mom. So let me ask you this, Mom. Uh, why are we in the zoo? <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself that question? How are we doing? We're <laughs> Start, starting off right away with the, with the stuff, aren't we? Have you, have you asked yourself why are we in the zoo why are we not out there on our journey doing stuff? What are we doing in the zoo? I mean, the zoo is pretty cool. Lots of different animals in here. There's some monkeys. There's some lions, some giraffes, some tigers, even some elephants. There's deer, and perhaps there's some not so deer. There's even some reptiles here. We have a wonderful family the zoo is safe, and we have free food. It's a wonderful thing, right? People come and go. They stare at us, and they wonder. See, the zoo is easy, isn't it? But here's the question. Why are we in the zoo? What are we doing here? I mean, have you ever asked yourself this question? Have you come to church ever and said, what am I doing here, really? Like, what do we do Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath. Why, why do we come and do this? Is it just so that we can be recharged? Well, yeah. Recharged for what? I'd like to propose to you that, that this is important and that we need to come here. But we need to come because we can be recharged to be contagious for Jesus Christ. Maybe God created us for a better adventure, something way cooler than the zoo. 
something that is a greater purpose, a greater, grander vision. And I love the fact that we have this grander vision. In the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says these words. Verse 20, it says, We are therefore Christ's, what? Ambassadors. When's the last time you felt like you were an ambassador for Jesus Christ? We are Christ's ambassadors, it says, as though God were making his appeal through us. Some versions say as if God was pleading through us. When was the last time that you were in in a conversation and you felt like God was pleading through you? God was appealing through you. Something was going on so that God could talk through you to somebody else that was not in the zoo. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love this. Do you believe that we have a grander vision? Do you, do you get up every morning and say, wow, I am so glad that I am part of this greater purpose? How many of you do that? Don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Here's the thing. We must remind ourselves every week. I think that's why God created this opportunity for us to come together on a weekly basis. We must remind ourselves every single week that we are part of a grander vision. We must remind ourselves every week that we have the privilege of telling people that they are the object of a great love, an epic God who has an epic story for every person. And we just don't feel that way all the time. It's not epic to go and throw the garbage out. It's not epic to do the dishes. It's not epic to go to work day in and day out. It's not epic to clean up after your children. That's not epic. But guess what? In God's eyes, this is an epic mission that you are on. And if you can get up every morning and say, God, I want to be contagious for you this morning. So some of you guys have, uh, have experienced some of this. And, and, and so I, I want to I read you a parable that Jesus told. I love Jesus because he would tell these stories. And he told us why he told those stories. He says, because people are hard of hearing. I don't know. Do you remember the first time you read that? I just kind of felt a little insulted. Like, I like the parables, right? Oh, well, okay. Now maybe God's trying to tell us something. And yet these parables that seem so simple and so just, just very entertaining as stories at times can teach us some very deep stuff can't they? I love a God who meets me where I am. I love a God who says, Sergio is a little simple-minded, so we're going to tell him a story so that he gets it. I love that about God. And I'm going to make it deep enough so that, so that as he hears more and as he engages with me more, he begins to understand more and see more And I say, God, open my eyes to understand these things. Don't you ever pray that prayer? God, open my eyes that I may see. So this story is found in Mark chapter 4, 
And uh, let me just say something about parables. Usually there are two elements in every parable that Jesus says. There is a constant and a variable. There you go, mathematicians. That's my mathematician part. There's a constant and a variable. There's this part that's never changing, and then there's this part that's kind of alterable. And in the story, what's never changing (coughs) is something called the seed. The seed, Jesus tells us later, represents the word. The word of God, the truth never changes. It is always there, and it is always dependable, and it is always something that you can go to and say, yep, same truth that was there yesterday and will be there tomorrow. I love that about truth, don't you? But then there was the variable, the alterable in the story, and the alterable in this story is the soil, and everything hinges upon the soil. Usually in Jesus' stories, everything hinges upon the variable. So let's go there. It says in uh, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, it says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around them was so large that he got into a boat and set out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. In other words, he was telling one story after another. And if you read Mark chapter 4 or Matthew chapter 13, and by the way, this parable is in, all, is in the first three Gospels, all three of them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the, the story. And there's like story after story after story that he says. And, in, and, his, and by the way, I believe that the reason why Jesus taught in parables in those days was not only because it was easy for people to understand and see truths, hidden in there, but it was also the way that people normally taught in those days. Rabbis taught that way. Philosophers taught that way. And so he was meeting them where they were. He was meeting them with the same way that people understood then. That's why being able to use technology like this and and, and, and music and and, and, uh, um, television or, or drama, that's today's language. And why not use that? I think Jesus would have used that today. Don't you think so? Thank you for agreeing with me. So he says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. See, they all understood that because they sow farmers all the time. Oh, yeah, I think I even know his name. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came. And ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had. No root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good ground, on good soil. It came up, grew, 
and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. I wonder how many of us in this room right now feel like this sower, and we've gone out, and we keep going out sowing, and we keep throwing out the seed, and we feel like nothing is happening. We feel like there is just nothing growing. Jesus talks about three different things that happen. He says the very first thing that happens is that the birds come and they eat it up. Those birds, have you, have you, don't you, I hate those birds when they come and eat up that seed. But it's not your fault. When you spend time with somebody and you work with somebody and the birds come and take it away, that's not your fault. You understand that, right? Do you? It's inevitable. You invite Bob to Bible study. He doesn't come. Why? The birds. They came and they took away the seed. The distractions of this world. Have you, known, have you noticed, by the way, that this world is becoming more and more inundated with distractions? See, this is, this is not by accident. I just want you to know that. This is by design, and that's not God's design. It's by design of the prince of this world. Are you following what I'm saying here? There's all kinds of things that distract us. And then it says, you know, before I walk away from the birds, let me just say this. Isn't it frustrating to work with somebody, to feel like you have some kind of, of understanding of what they want, and then all of a sudden they, they don't want that anymore? Have you ever had this experience? Have you ever have met with somebody and you, you're like, I know what you want. I know what you, I, let me tell you about my wife. When, don't, don't, don't get ahead of me. This is when she was pregnant some years ago with Brianna. And uh, husbands, I think you may understand this. There was uh, a time when uh, suddenly she just wanted very specific foods at very specific odd times of the day. You, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, man. I want to hear some amens out there if you know what I'm talking If I'm the only one going through this, I need to know that too. I mean, this is not a good thing. But I remember this. We were living in New City, New York. <coughs> and uh, my wife at midnight, midnight, okay, what? midnight, listen to what I'm saying here. At midnight, she says, honey, I am dying to have a jelly donut. Honey, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to see if I can find you a jelly donut. No, I don't think you understand, Serge. I need the jelly donut now. No, I don't think you understand, honey. You want the jelly donut now. What you need is to go to sleep so that we can have the jelly donut tomorrow. No, I need the jelly donut now. 
Okay. So I'm thinking to myself, where am I going to get a jelly donut at midnight? I love my wife. I would do anything for my wife. She's my best friend, Jesse. So I'm like, all right. So I take off the pajamas, put on some clothes, put on a hat because my hair was all messed up, get in my car, and I'm deciding I'm going to go to the grocery store. Now, back in New City, back in those days, we didn't have these 24-hour grocery stores. And sure enough, as I pulled up, they had just closed. Dunkin' Donuts has closed. We didn't have Krispy Kreme. 7-Eleven, I didn't think about. <laughs> now I know. Next time. Hopefully, there won't be a next time. <laughs> so here I am. And, I, I, and so now I, I'm, I'm really like, how am I going to go? This is an hour later. It's 1 o'clock now, you know. And I am just like looking everywhere. How am I going to go home and tell my wife that I do not have this jelly donut? And then suddenly I remember that there was a bakery in New City, hidden somewhere. And you can go there and get, like, all kinds of stuff. And I thought, well, a bakery would be open, right? So I went there, and sure enough, it was open. And sure enough, they had jelly donuts that, w- that they had made that morning. They were about ready to throw them away. <gasps> Don't throw them away, I said. I'll pay you whatever. They said, no, you can have them. Once they heard my story, I go, really? I go, great. So I got three of these big jelly donuts. I was so excited about this. I get in my car, I drive home. I noticed all the lights were off. I get in and I actually announce, hey, honey, I got the jelly donut. Honey? Honey? She was dead asleep. I wake her up. Hey, honey. (laughs) Hey, I love her. You know what I mean? If I had to go and get the jelly donut, she's going to eat them. You know what I'm saying? So I wake her up and I go, honey, honey, I got you the jelly donut. Serge, why would you wake me up? Well, because you wanted the jelly donut. I got them. I'll eat it in the morning. Do Do you know how frustrating that is? The birds. You know what I mean? The birds came, and t- now all of a sudden there's this desire. She got distracted. I took too long. I don't know what happened. It's just Bob is not going to come to Bible study. This is the way it is. The birds come, and there's nothing you can do about it. It wasn't my fault. It's not your fault. You get that? So then he continues with the story. He says, some fell on rocky places. Where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, there are some people that you spend time with and suddenly they look like they're really excited about Jesus Christ. Have you experienced this? And you're like, wow, this is going to be great. And you're like, wow, man, I can't believe this is going to be such a big deal right now. And they're just, they're just on fire. And i got to be honest with you. There's some of you sitting in this church right now that you've come and you were really excited about Christ. And my first thought was, gee, I hope, I hope we can give them some roots. I hope we can somehow figure out a way to make sure that, 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 that the sun doesn't scorch them. Because you know what happens when the sun does that, right? How many of you grow plants and stuff? My neighbor, 
across the street, a uh, young couple, they just moved in uh, a couple of months ago, and really nice family. And uh, they tell us that they're going away on vacation for two weeks, and of course, as good neighbors, we say, well, is there anything we can do for you? And they say, well, no, not really. We do have plants. If you wouldn't mind going there and watering the plants, what's that going to take, you know? Five minutes? Sure. Be glad to do that. We'll go and water the plants for you. And he said, fine. He said, that would be fantastic. Really? You would? Yes, absolutely. We'll get your mail, bring it inside. They gave us a key. They said, look, we have a pool. You can use the pool. We're like, all right, well, we'll see what it is. You know, we didn't realize that the last two weeks were going to be like in the hundreds, right? But I, I get out there and... and uh, the day before they leave, to see which plants we're talking about. He has these, like, industrial-size fire hoses, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, these things are, like, heavy-duty stuff. I realize Nancy's going to have a hard time with one hand to do this. Right? So now I'm sitting there going, okay, well, let's see. And he shows me the front plant, says maybe three plants. I'm like, no problem. Then he walks me in the back. I kid you not. He had like 30 different plants back there that had to be watered by hand every single day. It took us like 40 minutes every single day because the sun was just taking, you know, just, and we were like, man. And then Nancy, I, she actually went a few times, uh, uh, probably more times than me at this point. But anyway, she, because, because of the pool, I just, I, I just want to put that in there. But anyway, so uh, Nancy at one point noticed that these, these, these onions were dying because they had no root. They, had, they were in a very shallow little plant holder. So she took them and she put them inside this other plant holder that was much bigger. And guess what? By the time they came back, they were thriving. See, the sun, say it with me, is not your fault. It happens. The sun shines, and we're glad that it does, right? But the sun is going to hit them, and it's going to happen. And guess what? You have got to uh, say to yourself, it's not my fault. All I can do is encourage them to have a little root. I can encourage them to go deep. And can I just say something? Uh, I have the awesome privilege of uh, being co-teacher of a 20-something Sabbath school class. We call it New Wine. And can I tell you something? Like the most awesome thing about that class is that 20-somethings, is that they want to go deep. That's when they are the most engaged, when we start going deep. They want to have fun. They want to laugh. It's, it's great, but boy, they want to go, they want the bagels, yes, absolutely, but they want to go deep, and I love that. We, our next generation, regardless of the age, by the way, regardless of the age, this generation, this era that we're living in, they are tired of superficiality because the world is constantly trying to pull them into a superficial life. They're tired of that. And so what do they want? They want to go deep. You want to make a difference in somebody's life? Go deep with them. Set up a process in a way that you can befriend them and grow them. We're going to talk about this in the next few weeks. And then you can go deep with them because they want to go deep. And if you go deep with them, they will have roots. And when the sun hits, it 
will not matter. But if the sun hits before then, it's not your fault. Don't go there. Don't sign up for that class. That's not a good class. So then uh, Jesus continues. He says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. The thorns. Have you met the thorns? I hate the thorns. They're out there. Worries of life. The seduction, the pursuit of wealth. Challenges that come up. Accumulation of possessions. Health problems. Clutter in our lives chokes us out of our time with the word and our time with God. Isn't that true? Have you ever felt choked out of that? Have you ever felt like, I need to get away? I need to just get away because I need Jesus in my life. Have you ever felt that way? Can you imagine a, a, a baby in Christ, how much they need that? At least you have the roots and the depth to be able to say that to yourself. They don't. And that just and it's not your fault. My mentor used to say to me, you know, Sergio, because I would call him about this church member or that church, not here, I mean, other, other churches. And I would say, you know, I would say, man, I don't understand with this person. And, you know, I, they, they just, I don't know what I have to do to make them understand that I care about them. And, and he would say to me, Sergio, you know, there's only like six or seven really bad people in the world. Now, they travel around a lot, he said. But there's not that many. See, there's not enough birds, and there, there, there's not enough thorns to outdo the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? And so what the, what the story says constantly is what I love about the story is that the sower keeps sowing. He doesn't get discouraged. I'm going to just keep putting more seed down. I'm going to keep putting, okay, so these, some of these didn't make it, and some of these didn't make it, and some of these didn't make it, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I want to tell you right now, do not let the temporary pursuits cheat you out of eternal opportunities. Do not let that stuff happen to you. Do not let the birds eat it away. Do not, if you're a baby and you're young, let us know if that is happening. We want to help you out. We want to give you roots. We want to give you water. We want to protect you from the birds. We can't chase the birds because that's a waste of time, and we would leave the field. We can't do that, but we can help you. So if you are a baby, don't, don't let that go. Stay with us. Stay with us this whole time. Good soil. Good soil. Keep on sowing. I love what this says. Paul says in Galatians, let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we, what? will reap our harvest if we don't give up. Do you believe that? Don't get discouraged. Be kamikaze committed to this relentless lavishing of God's seed. Don't ever forget the grander vision and if you forget, say, God, open my eyes. We are therefore God's what? 
ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Think about that grander vision on a daily, say, a daily base. Let me make this little note here. We can't give people what we don't have. Do you believe that? So I, I would be amiss if I didn't share with you that one of the most important things that we could do is that we don't get choked. We don't let the birds or the shallowness of life get in the way. That we spend our time in the Word. The Word is great, isn't it? The Word is the map. But here's what I'm here to tell you. This is really important. The Word is the map, but the map is not the territory. It's just a map. At some point, you got to use the map to get out there in the territory. You know what I'm talking about. you got to use the map to say, God, take me. Make, let, use me. Something's got to happen no matter what. Don't get discouraged. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. I remember I, I, I was a teacher. I, I had no inkling at all about being a pastor. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. You've, most of you have heard my story. I don't want to get into it too much. But I remember all of a sudden in this whirlwind of events, I am now going to Atlantic Union College in Massachusetts to get my degree. And I am sitting there going, why am I doing this? And it was, it was a, an adult degree program, so I would go there for like three weeks, really strong, intense, twice, three times a month, uh, I mean, three times a year, and then go back again. And it was like this really intensive stuff, and I would do a lot of work from home. And there was this year in my life. It was the last year. I actually did it in one year. So it was the, the year. That year, I was teaching uh, first and second graders. Then I would, uh, at 3 o'clock, uh, I would finish school, and then I would go and coach a soccer team. And I'd be out there till 5 o'clock in the evening, come home, and I would start giving Bible studies to people. Go to bed and start all over in the, same, the next morning. Now, I'm not telling you this uh, because I'm trying to boast. I'm, I'm going to get to a point here. And the point is that all of a sudden I found myself totally in crisis. And now you're going to throw this other thing at me called an adult degree program, which is really uh, something that you have to do in two years. And because the church was paying for me to do it, I decided to do it in one year. Thank you. And I'm like, I, and you have to understand, I mean, it wasn't until I went to, 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 to college and got my psychology degree that I even began to pass courses. So this was like, what am I doing going back to school, right? And so I never forget this. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm putting stuff together. I'm doing all this stuff. And I'll never forget Dean Davis. He was the, uh, the dean of religion there. He was such a kind man, just a, a wonderful, wonderful man. And he sat me down. He was my supervisor. He sat me down and he said to me, he said, Sergio, here's what I want. I want you to do your presentation on the suzerainty covenant. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly how I felt. Like, the what? The suzerainty covenant. But I like your whole servant motif that you've been talking about. So why don't you do, why don't you do a whole paper and then presentation? This was like a 60-page thing, right, on the suzerainty covenant and the servant motif. I couldn't even say it at that time. And I'm like, okay. 
So now I am now I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm coaching, I'm giving Bible studies. I have no time to put this suzerainty covenant and servant motif thing together. And I'm just trying to find the time and, and be honest with you, I did what most students do the week before. I crammed and crammed. Now, you have to understand, I am not a good typist. And back in those days, there were no computers. I won't tell you how many days ago that was, but back in those days, there were no computers. Now, there were such things as word processors, and so that was kind of cool. And I got to room with this guy that um, his wife was uh, 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 kept notes for, what are they called, stenographers, for uh, uh, stenographers, <laughs> for uh, the, the court. Right, So she was amazing at this, and she had just the right tools. And, and she said, you know, Sergio, you bring it that week, written out, and I'll type it for you. I'm like, really? I go, okay, great, you know. So I get there that week, and Dean Davis says to me, do you have it? And I go, not yet, but, but it's almost done, right? And my friend comes, and, but he, and his wife comes with him, so he actually ends up rooming in another room with her, Thank goodness. And, and I was by myself in this other room, and I'm, I'm finishing up, and I'm writing down. And the night before the presentation, I finally put the last dot on this thing. Poor, poor Denise. I'll never forget this. She took it, and she, she said, no problem. Don't worry. And she was up till about 1 o'clock in the morning typing it all out, and, and she gives it to me. Beautiful presentation. The Suzerainty Covenant. In the servant motif. Now I'm up try, trying to read it and trying to get it, absorb it, because I have to do a formal presentation in front of all these teachers, these theologians, these students the next day. And I decide to take a little nap. I take a little nap, and something wakes me up about five o'clock in the morning. And it was a pain on my lip. And I had realized that I had been bitten by a wasp on my lip. And I quickly got up and I went to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and there was a thing on my lip like this. And this is the way I sounded. And I'm like, I gotta make a presentation. What am I gonna do, you know? And I'm really upset about this. Because I got this big thing on my, and, and it's huge. So I'm like, I gotta do something, you know? So I called the nurse at 5.30 in the morning. And I said, please, I gotta make this presentation. I need something. And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm trying. Just listen carefully. I need to make this presentation. And she's like, oh, all right, all right, hold on, hold on. She says, I have some Benadryl. I will give you some Benadryl, and it will bring the swelling down. You know, to be honest with you, it's really interesting. I was like 29 years old. I had never taken Benadryl before. So I'm like, okay, great, swelling down. That's what I want. And I take the Benadryl. Now, it's like 9 o'clock. My presentation is at 10 o'clock. And 
the swelling went down just a little bit. I'm still talking like this pretty much. But adding to that, I couldn't keep my eyes open. My friend is like, what's up with you, Serge? I don't know. I should have slept more last night. But I, I, don't, I think this bee sting is really getting to me. Well, then I told him about the Benadryl. And, oh, my goodness, why would you do that? Well, because that's what the nurse gave me. I don't know, you know. Oh, man, I'm telling you, now all of a sudden I am like wobbling to the place. Like I'm drunk, seriously. And I've got my paper, and I go and see Dean. I said, Dean, you need to understand something here. I've got the paper. It's ready to go. I got, as you can tell, you know. And he's like, what happened? I got, I got bit by a bee, and then I got by a drill. And I just started crying. He's like, take it easy, Serge. It's okay. He says, just do the best you can. I go, are you kidding me? Do the best I can? You, you want me to do, can I do it another, like, next year or something? I, no, you got to do it today. Not right now. They're, they're, they're going to be in there in 15 minutes. I'm like, I, please don't do this to me. And I remember walking up there, and he said to me, he says, don't say anything about it. Just go for it. They'll get it. Okay. Today, I want to speak to you about the social anti covenant and the summer motive. And I went on for 20 minutes like that. Suddenly, questions started coming. Well, what about this? What about that? Like, you actually understood what I said? You know, I had no idea what was going on. At the end, they all stood up and applauded, which was normal. That's what they did. So I wasn't really thinking much about it. And uh, Dean Davis comes up to me and he says, uh, Sergio, that was fantastic. Are, are you talking about me? Yes. He says, here's what I want to do. He says, I want to take this paper and I want to put it on permanent reserve at the AUC library. Would that be okay? You sure? Yes. I went back about, I don't know, 10 years ago. That was the last time I was back there. I was doing a week of prayer. And I went inside the library to see if it was still there. And sure enough, it was still there. And I graduated with distinction with a 4.0 average. Now, I don't tell you that to boast. I tell you to, sh to make this point that's so important. There was nothing about me that made that happen. It was all God. See, I believe there's a promise that, that says that, that, that if you are courageous and you do what you got to do, it doesn't matter about the thorns. It doesn't matter about the birds. It doesn't matter about the bees. It doesn't matter about the sun. It doesn't matter about the shallowness. It doesn't matter about anything. God will speak through you in ways, and the Holy Spirit will interpret it in a way that they, don't, they didn't even know. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do not let this stop, stop, stop you from being contagious. 
Jesus needs us. We have this grander task that we can all be part of it. There's not a person in here that could say, well, that's not me. That's you, Serge. No, it's all of us. You don't understand. I'm just a dumb Italian. You understand what I'm talking about here? There's nothing about me that makes me any better than you, any smarter than you, and nothing. I'm just committed to absorbing the word, understanding the map, and then getting out into the territory. That's all it is. And any of you can do that. You follow what I'm saying here? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I finish with this. I'm asking all of you to pray to God to open your hearts, to open your ears, and to open your eyes. To lift up Christ. Jesus says, if I would be lifted up, I will what? Draw all men unto me. So all we gotta do, that's all we gotta do is lift up Christ. It is Christ's job to draw people to him. Right? All we gotta do is shine in the light of God's glory. All we have to do is ask God to please God this morning, today, pour your power and your love in me, through me, and help me, Lord, to just continually be contagious for you. Are you willing to pray that prayer with me? Can we pray right now? Pray with me right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for... I I just cannot believe that you would entrust us. That you would trust us. To spread this good news. And Lord, I just cannot imagine how much I have fallen short of this. I think all of us in this room right now can think of times where we could have, we, we could have had opportunities that, that we, we let go of, Lord. I also know there's a lot of us here that are constantly doing whatever they can to sow the seeds. So many in here, Lord. Please help them not to get discouraged. Please help them. Protect them from the thorns. Protect them from the birds. Protect them from the shallow, the, 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 the pool of superficiality, Lord. Protect us all from that, Lord, so that we can keep sowing the seeds. Keep sowing the seeds. Keep sowing the seeds. And those who come will come. And those, and I love this, Lord, that you didn't, this is not a competition, Lord. I love this, that you say, Lord, some 30, some 60, some 100. It's not about how many. You just you love the ones that, that just produce 30 just as much as you love the ones that produce 100. This is not a competition. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Please help us to do whatever we can. May this church shine for you always, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.